0: Excited for anyone who's listening now who heard the OGs. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, definitely.
1: And speaking of OGs, hello. Welcome to the Gems of History Podcast with one of the OGs, Jacob Shop, and another OG that's not Evan Roosh,
0: Mark Steinbrenner. Hey, we out here. Back it is good to be back. Back from the dead. Yes, that's right, that's right. How you been, buddy? I've been excellent, and I gotta tell you, when I got your message that you needed a celeb to come on here, I was like, "I'm your guy." Yep, Evan excited. is Evan is officially out of the podcast oh, now. Okay, so... okay, okay.
1: yeah. <laughs> now Evan's just feeling a little under the weather. He had a big birthday celebration this week, so I'm assuming he's just kind of worn down from all that. That's and... right. I'm here to pick up the slack. Yep, we got we got the uh, the third member of the original three to come on right, for you guys right. tonight. So if you haven't heard any of the early Earlier episodes, Mark was one of the original hosts, and then he started up with school and stuff again, so he kind of got busy and we parted ways. But now he's back to fill in for an episode, and I'm glad to have him back.
0: It's yours truly, John White over
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That uh, one's for the real. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the really know what we're talking about. Man. But yeah, I'm glad to have you back. Are thanks, you excited? Thanks. This I is am, the first episode
0: of. The official spooky season series. And that's my favorite season and it was my favorite season of the podcast too. Oh, so yeah. this is when I want to be back. Yeah.
1: Yes. So this is our first one in the month of October, which we, if you're new here, we like to do some more like spooky, paranormal, ghosty stuff for the month of October. And this is going to be the first episode of that. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I hope you're not wearing whitey tighties. You're going to get spooked. <laughs> yeah. And then we will obviously. If you haven't heard, we're going to try and end the month by reading a bunch of listener stories for whoever sends in stories to us that are could be ghost stories, it could be uh, some true crimes, whatever the scariest thing that's happened to you in your life is. You can send that in to us and we'll read it on the air. We've gotten some really good submissions so far, so I'm very excited about that. But yeah, we're always looking for more. So if you
0: guys got something, send it in. Yeah, you know, it's pretty scary. Sunday night football when you know really you gotta work the next day, Oh, oh dude. Man, that's don't real life scary. That's really like like murders one thing. We got in having to work the next day. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I, tell I, I me about it. Oh my gosh!
1: But that's we're, we are Packers fans here, oh, and yeah, the Packers yeah. are playing in London this weekend, so we get a nice early eight thirty in the morning game, and that will be scary too. Just because I don't trust the Packers to win anything <laughs> at this point, neither no. do I. But that's not what we're here to talk about today, Mark. We're going back to. To your roots unintentionally because as as is well known on this show one of your favorite sources for information no on, on the web no is buzzfeed unsolved that's basically my site dude. and by some random
0: <laughs> act of chance i use them as a source for this episode <laughs> that's <So>. actually cringe <laughs> that's so funny dude and that's basically my source for any time I led any week. <laughs> yeah. I would just be like, What Buzzfeed Unsolved looks the most interesting to me right now? And that would be my main source, but that's outstanding. They do have like one of the best sites on I YouTube. I do
1: love those guys. Yeah, so then yeah. they're doing a lot of cool stuff again on a new channel. I don't remember what it's called, but they're not with Buzzfeed anymore. But Shane and Ryan are still doing cool, spooky stuff. Which is good, because I I enjoy their content. Absolutely. But today, we are going to be talking about the case of who put Bella in the witch elm. Who opened
0: a window? Yes. Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I was wondering if you would have heard of this, because I know you watch their videos a lot. But this one was a couple years ago it aired. And it's an unsolved murder in the UK.
0: I will, as we go, I will let you know if it rings a bell. But you'll be happy to know, as of right now, I'm not hearing that and being like, oh, I know this whole thing. Okay. So that's okay, okay, nice. This is going to be fun, though. Yeah.
1: So today we're talking about that, and there's another attached case with this specific one okay. that kind of intertwines so it's going to be a, a twofer you're getting a twofer oh my today. gosh a, two for a twofer one for a twofer, a twofer oh, one evan
0: leaves and i get more you, intel you get a bogo off wow on this one. wow don't let evan hear about this <laughs> <laughs> the downside is both of these cases
1: don't have a ton of information on them it's there's enough for this episode obviously because otherwise we wouldn't be doing it but they're very specific Few and far between on specific details because they happened during World War II. And it's obviously a turbulent time in the European countries at that
0: time. So, Well, lucky for me, you're a certified detective. So I know you you have all the facts yourself. Exactly. Certified private investigator. Exactly.
1: So in the heat of World War II, England experienced two deaths outside of combat that would haunt the country for decades to come. One female, one male, but both with similar implications for their communities. Immediately, talks of witchcraft and black magic began to swirl throughout town. One of the bodies was missing its hand, the other was slashed across the throat. One was found in a tree, and one was lying in a field. One was an unknown quantity, while the other was a beloved member of their community. But what happened to the woman known as Bella, and who was she? And who brutally ended Charles Walton's life as he worked in the fields? Let's dole out the facts on these respective stories and find out how they intersect, and maybe we can find some answers. Can we find out who put Bella in the witch
0: elm? Yeah, I gotta find that out. <laughs> <laughs> Setting the scene. Oh my goodness. In a tree? Are you kidding me? How does that in a happen? tree, yep.
1: Whole ass street. So this is also a strange coincidence that you're the one telling this. I'm telling the story to. Yeah. Because on April 18th, oh, 1943,
0: you, you, oh my birthday, your
1: birthday, oh, 1943. God. This is close to. And how many deaths were there? So this is this is the first one. Oh okay. So on April 18th, 1943, four teenage boys were sneaking their way through Hagley Woods in Worcestershire. That's not a real place. It
0: is. The, everything in the UK has bad names. Like, a, <laughs> it sounds like a corny, like, book <laughs> title or like Hagley Woods. Yeah, it's like chapter three of a book when someone goes, Woods. And it's in the county of Worcestershire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, exhaust. Yeah, that's so funny.
1: <laughs> Which were on the grounds of an estate belonging to a man known as Lord Cobham I'm <laughs> <We're> just going <laughs> to take that in stride. During the war, rations were tight for the people living in Britain and these boys were hoping to find some sort of supplement to their rations, whether in the form of wild game or perhaps some bird eggs in a tree. Their names were Bob Hart, Tom Willets, Fred Payne, and Bob Farmer. And they were trespassing. <laughs> this writes like a
0: bad book so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting names for the UK. Bob Farmer. <sighs> I, I gotta hear where this is going first. While they were looking for food, they also liked to try and view the bombing raids in nearby towns when the air raid sirens were going off, because the area that they lived in was around some munition factories, so it was not uncommon for them to hear regular air raid sirens and see bombs going off in neighboring towns. Okay. So apparently that was like their fireworks display <laughs> wow that's a little sadistic but it for is. the time it, that sounds I, I, right i, I mean, mean if you're raised like that right i don't know any different exactly
0: i'll stick to my kind of fireworks though yeah it's a little safer for the most <laughs> <Yeah>. part <laughs> what a <an laughs> depressing era but okay put it reverse, here yeah. oh well someone was saying that i was thinking about this i don't know why i was thinking about this today maybe my brain is in trouble but i was thinking about the holocaust i know that's oh averagely yeah but 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 i was thinking about like um the average human couldn't kill other humans like that and and not feel in their conscience they were doing something wrong I just like I just don't understand that people are people always say like well humans are terrible look at their like history of mankind but I'm starting to think it's really just the people at the top who are so oh, yeah bad.
1: It, it, well it's I, just like a, an environment of violence for something like that like everyone who is participating is just a cog in a machine at that point well basically. yeah and I just
0: don't get how like I think about the German shoulder uh, soldiers and they were Nazis I know like they were brainwashed probably a lot of them but how do you, how do you is it just out of fear of them killing you, too, that you're, like, you're doing these things? And at that point, like, what is your life worth to you? Like, right. I, I, I was wrestling with that today, and I just don't know how you can be an enabler of such evil. Because uh, I don't know if we're born to be that bad. I, I don't, don't know. I no, don't know. I definitely
1: don't think so. I think humans are naturally inclined more towards good I than think. evil. But... I mean, you get the right people in the right positions, and it's very easy to set up a structure where that's not true.
0: So. I suppose. I suppose. It was just, it was so many Jews. It, how, many, how many Germans were needed to run that operation? Couldn't some of them have, wouldn't okay. you think some of them would be like, I can't sleep at night doing this? Like, I, I just I don't know. I don't it know. Is, yeah. It's just bizarre to me. But okay, we're getting way off top.
1: <laughs> so, after trudging along for a bit, the boys found a tree known as a witch elm. So, these trees. Uh, the best way that I heard them described visually is it, the branches looked like an exploded broom head. So like imagine the bristles on the top of a broom just like exploded out and it looks all chaotic and winded together and everything. Yeah. So it's a very ominous looking tree, but it made for a good climbing tree. And the boys figured that they could climb up inside and see if they could find a bird's nest. Because another thing about these trees is as they grow, you can cut them and they will grow back fast enough that you can continuously go back to them for wood, which causes hollow spots in these trees very often. So it's a good spot for birds to nest, and also, obviously, good for climbing and finding Basically it. the runescape y- trees. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As everyone knows, obviously. Yeah. So Bob Farmer made his way up the tree and eventually found something inside. He couldn't quite reach what was inside the hollow of the tree, so he grabbed a stick and fished out whatever it was inside. Once he got it out, he looked at it and realized that it was a skull. Initially, he thought it was an animal skull, but once he turned it around, he saw patches of human hair and human teeth and realized that it was a human skull. The boys put the skull back and scrambled away very quickly, vowing with each other not to say a
0: word about it, since they were trespassing. I was about to like go in the whole spiel, obviously they would tell somebody, but I guess maybe they wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, you're a teenager, you are illegally trespassing on someone's land to
1: try and steal food, so, I mean, (sighs) it doesn't look good on you, but at the same time... (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty traumatic. Yeah. So by that night, 17-year-old Tom Willits, the oldest in the group, couldn't take the weight of what they had found and told his father. His father told the police, and by the next day, they had been alerted and the area was cordoned off. The tree was set to be guarded by a man named William Douglas Osborne overnight, and he was to wait there for the police to collect all of the pertinent evidence, as well as for the forensic examiner to search the crime scene and collect all of the associated body parts relative of the other osborne i don't know (laughs) i don't know if he's related to the green goblin (laughs) okay fair enough so inside the tree they found the skull and not only that they found an entire woman's skeleton they couldn't get the body out normally so they had to cut into the tree to get the bones out due to the fact that the tree had grown around the body Eventually, the entire skeleton was collected, and medical examiner James Webster concluded that the woman was likely 25 to 40 years of age, most likely around 35. She had very distinctive and irregular teeth, light brown hair, and was right around 5 feet tall. Webster also found that she had given birth to a child at some point in her life, concluding his overview by saying she had most likely been dead for around 18 months. And one other detail remained. Her right hand was missing.
0: That's so weird. And she'd been in there for a decent amount of oh, yeah. time. It was, Here's f- the, they found the skull. It, it sounds like the skull had completely decomposed. So mm-hmm. well, I don't know I don't know how long it takes for her bodies to decompose, but it sounds like the skull part at least was like there's like
1: patch you, there's a actual picture of the skull and there's like a patch of skin like on the forehead kind of like yeah. with hair on it and stuff. So it wasn't like completely gone, but yeah, for the most part there's no skin or anything left on this.
0: But what that this tree sounds weird. It is. To it like obviously she was dead. I'm get I mean, I don't know, but I'm, get, I'm imagining that the person killed her and then hit her in this tree. Okay. No
1: right, one well. really knows. Oh.
0: <laughs> Cuz I mean, I mean well, like yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. All
1: right. Police at the scene also found a cheap gold ring, some scraps of clothing, and a size five and a half blue shoe with a crepe-colored sole. The clothing on the body consisted of a dark blue striped knitted wool cardigan and a cloth skirt with a zipper, which was worn over the top of a peach-colored taffeta under the skirt. And that same colored taffeta material was found in her mouth which led investigators to believe that she had been asphyxiated. Professor Webster was certain that this was a murder and not an accident. He stated, quote, I cannot imagine a woman accidentally slipping in there, neither do I think it reasonable for a woman to crawl into that place to commit suicide. He concluded that she had been stuffed into the tree feet first, either before rigor mortis set in or after it had worn off. And in case you don't know what rigor mortis is, it just means that the body stiffens after it is dead, physically dead. And there's a time frame, it sets in about two hours after death, completely stiffening the body after about six hours, and stays that way for another 12 hours. So close to around 24 hours is the time frame where rigor mortis is affecting the body. So it had to have either happened right away or after that 24 hours that this woman was shoved into this tree.
0: Delightful. Isn't that fun? That is.
1: So the first step for the police investigation was to try and identify the woman by her teeth. She had distinctive protruding front teeth that kind of crossed over one another in the front, so it was a very distinctive smile that she would have had. And she had also had a, take, a tooth taken out within a year of her death, so any dentist that would have worked on her would have had records of her teeth. But unfortunately, none of the dentists in the area had record of her. So the police also went through thousands of missing person reports to see if any of them matched the, a person with this set of teeth, but they didn't have any luck. So this led the investigators to the conclusion that whoever Bella was, she wasn't from the area. She would have to have been a foreigner, because... She didn't get the dental work done anywhere nearby unless it was from some like sketchy backroom dentist or something. Hey, hey.
0: But not everyone can afford a good dental hey. care, <laughs> especially place. during World War yeah, II. Yeah. So I feel like there's probably Maybe a lot. she didn't have those great pearly whites. I yeah, there's a lot of backwoods dentists. I feel like, yeah. yeah, from our last episode, it was
1: uh, Dr. Preximus.
0: Oh my gosh. Dude, I was. Thinking, it makes me think of that guy that dentist we heard about recently, who was like breaking people's teeth or like or oh. like damaging them on purpose. Yeah,
1: there's a, a dentist local to us that he. Let's let's just go ahead and say he was doing some
0: sketchy yeah, practices, a little bit of dental fraud. Yeah, yeah, w- yeah, some might say it was illegal, <laughs> very illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he would tell you it
1: was just a misunderstanding. Oh, it's it yeah. just like a an interesting dental tactician yeah hey times
0: are tough all right i (laughs) I don't think they were (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) so the next step for the police after checking the teeth was to check the shoes because they were recognized to be a relatively nicer pair of shoes they did end up tracing the shoes back to a company, but all of the pairs sold at that store were found. So we're to be like, and they cast lots. <laughs> <laughs> they went on sneakerhead.com. Yeah, they, know, like, they, what are these words? Yeah, can yeah. we, like, make a profit on Oh these? my, that's so Is bad. Is this a limited easy that's drop?
0: terrible.
1: So all of the s- shoes sold at that specific store were tracked down and the owners were found. And one of the most promising leads seemed to have been a report that a, I think it was a farmer or a hunter nearby, heard a woman scream near the woods about 20 months before the body was found, which would have put it around the time of death for the body. But with the war raging on, the case eventually went cold and none of the leads really gave them anything useful to figure out who this person was. So
0: someone theoretically heard the woman scream prior to her murder. Potentially yes,
1: but they could never verify that he was actually in the area or anything like that. Wait,
0: he never reported it though. They just no. happened to find this farmer. Yeah, were, like... he
1: came forward after they had been looking for leads and said, "Oh, I think I heard a woman screaming." Oh, yeah, that's near pretty, there, so yeah, that's I mean, not great. Yeah, it's very circumstantial. If at and if it's anything at all. Okay. So yeah. and with the shoes, even if they wouldn't have found that the, all the pairs were with people that were still alive. It wasn't easy to, like, they couldn't verify that those shoes were even hers. Okay. okay. So, I mean, it's not like they would have mattered all that much in the long run. Anyways, it just was kind of the next step. Yeah. But that's where they're at now. So they still have no identification and no idea where this woman came from, who murdered her, or how she died. It wasn't until about six months later the case got another jump start. Because strange graffiti began to show up around the area all written in white chalk with similar handwriting and messages. The first example on a black obelisk in the middle of town read, quote, who put Lou Bella down the witch elm?
0: Wait, what did you mean? You say similar handwriting? Do you mean what was written or the handwriting itself? Both. Oh. All of the messages were similar
1: in their contents and in the handwriting. So it was from all reports that I could find, it was believed that it was a singular person that did all of the writing of these messages. Okay. So. All right. But this gave a name to the mystery woman, Lou Bella. And eventually, as more graffiti began sprawling around town, the messages became more repeated and more singular, saying, who put Bella in the witch elm? So now she officially has a, a name, quote unquote. But police weren't sure if this was a prank, if this was someone trying to give them a clue, or if it was someone taunting them. And the messages, coupled with the fact that the woman hadn't been identified, spurred the case onward again. Police investigated who may be writing the messages, but they were never able to find anyone who was a good suspect. So, mystery Chuckman.
0: Yeah, Wait. but were the writings usually pretty close to each other?
1: They were all within – this was a small town. Yeah. So, yeah, they were all, like, within ta- – like, they were on the sides of houses. They are on the sides of businesses. <laughs> I'm the,
0: sure the person writing them wouldn't be this dumb, but I do wonder after a few times they were written if someone – like, if they didn't have a watch guy being like, okay, if we can find the person writing the messages.
1: You would think, right? Like yeah. I, it, But I don't know how close <laughs> these were written to each yeah, other yeah. Uh, in, like, timeline-wise. Right, right. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah. But you, you would think that there'd be some kid out there with a bunch of chalk. <laughs> like, <laughs> he looks a little sketchy. Yeah. So with no good leads, eventually rumors started to surface, and one of the major rumors that started to spread was due to a woman named Margaret Murray. Margaret Murray was a well-known and well-respected Egyptologist and archaeologist, but she was also keenly into the occult and witchcraft specifically alerting people to the dangers of the occult and witchcraft and at this like I think currently she's kind of discredited for a decent amount of what she's written mm. as well especially for the occult and witchcraft stuff I mean she still did do a lot of really cool stuff in the archaeological and egypt egyptological sense <laughs> that seems the official term yeah. <laughs> but i mean i think she was the first person in history to unwrap a mummy and she she's got That's some cool dope. credentials so yeah. but in this case
0: I, I, I don't know if she did a lot of good okay, here it's a little sus yeah
1: so margaret murray focused in on the fact that the right hand was missing which she said was a witchcraft practice known as the hand of glory In the Hand of Glory ritual, a hand would be cut from a body and used to either protect its owner from evil spirits or reveal treasures, or, for some reason, this was like the most common thing that I found that it did, was put people to sleep.
0: Uh,
1: Wait, what? What? That's, it just said that you could wave it in front of someone's face and it would put them into a Can coma. Can you imagine? I don't
0: know why that's such a prevalent thing, but... Just, oh my gosh. Someone just murdered someone, cut their hand off, come over like, yeah, hoo 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 and
1: it's not like ever been super verified that this actually happens. I don't even know where she heard about
0: this. What is that? I think the last thing I'm about to do after someone waves a hand from someone's dead body in my face is take a nap. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh.
1: But what if you don't have a child?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I don't like I think I think I'm really okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: So normally the process for preparing a hand of glory related to a man who was hanged. I don't know why it had to be a hanged man, but he was usually a hanged felon and the right hand would be cut off of this felon and would be pickled and made into a candle. Sometimes the hand would be clenched into a fist, and sometimes all five fingers would be made into individual candles and lit.
0: That doesn't sound right. That sounds wrong. We should not be doing
1: that. I don't think it's good. No, (laughs) but another thing that I heard was that they used the hair of the deceased person as the wicks for the candles. So there's a lot of stinky, very weird things. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want this in my kitchen. That's for sure. I'm not going to set this, this on This is them. a
0: witchcraft thing? Yeah. Or they were just doing this around town? I People were doing weird stuff back oh then, I guess. Oh, my but God. But it was a
1: witchcraft thing.
0: But I'm not going
1: to put one of these on my mantle. That's no. for sure.
0: No. Well, you're definitely not going to light it. That no. would smell bad. Yes. Especially if it's pickled. Ugh. A pickled dead hand. <laughs> <laughs> you won't have to worry about company coming over. That's for
1: sure. <laughs> Holy cow. Unless God. you get those weird people that are like, go to the pubs that have the the jar of like whiskey with a toe in it Have you oh ever heard yeah, about that? yeah 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 where you've got a sip and then you got to touch uh, the toe uh, to your uh, mouth or whatever uh, uh,
0: stop hey, some, people, <laughs> some people are to, some people
1: eat those uh, not for so, me fam. Not and then they for get me. fined oh yeah uh, that's weird i don't know okay. people All right. uh but in the case of bella the hand bones were scattered around the base of the tree so this led investigators to believe that it wasn't a ritual it was more likely that there scavenging animals that somehow got the hand off of the body tugged it out and scattered the bones around the base of the tree but it was also said that she the way her body was positioned her hand would have been on the bottom in the bottom of the hole So this sort of meant that a scavenger would have had to somehow dig it out from the bottom. So I don't know what's true with that. I mean, this is why this case is still unsolved, because there's so many different avenues for everything. But The name Bella, however, had its own implications because a plant known as Belladonna, which is also known as Deadly Nightshade, is a plant widely associated with the cult. It's a uh, very poisonous plant, and it's apparently used in a lot of ritualistic witchcraft. I don't know if it's used for murder, or if it's just used as a part of different bubbling pots that, that they're stirring in their cabins in the woods, but
0: like actual witches like with a you know, like, whole, full
1: hocus pocus which right. i don't i hope it's that i one. mean this is basically what Can Mar- you imagine basically this is what margaret murray goes around town and says it's like there's a coven of witches that believe in the earth and like there's a there's a sun god that they're worshiping and they're holding co- like coven are they green I don't know. <laughs> i don't
0: know <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Basically, the, he- the Hex Girls from uh, scooby Oh, no, well, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting lost in the woods, too. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but bringing it back to the woods, the fact that the body was found in a tree was supposedly a witchcraft practice where you contained a witch inside of a tree
0: after they died to contain their evil magic. So, so someone, in, if that were true, then someone put her in there to, like, theoretically be help people, because they contained the witch. Theoretically. We're yeah. putting big they quotes. They took one for yeah. the team. Is that- <laughs> we're putting big quotes around theoretically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So Murray proposed that the messages around town were perhaps a coven spreading the message of what they had done. So she's suggesting that there is a witch coven that for some reason or another ritualistically killed whoever this woman is, stuffed her into a tree. Okay, that's on the table. So that's that's our uh, process number 1. Okay, all right. <laughs> in addition to the witchcraft theory, there was also talks that perhaps Bella was a Nazi spy. In 1953, the Wolverhampton Express and Star, which was a newspaper in the area, received a letter from someone who identified herself as Anna of Claverley. Someone who had gone missing? No. Oh. This is. They just received a letter from this person to their newspaper. Okay. okay. And Anna said that she had info on the identity of Bella. Oh. In an interview, Anna divulged that Bella was a member of a spy ring who was supposed to get information on the munitions factories in the area to give to the Luftwaffe because then the Luftwaffe could commence their bombing raids in more specific locations okay. so that they could do more damage. Anna of Claverley was later identified as a woman named Una Mossop and stated that her husband had witnessed Bella's death. Apparently, Bella got entwined alongside a quote Dutchman called Von Rolt. And one evening, Una's husband Jack went with this von Rolt to pick up Bella. And in the car, Von Rolt allegedly strangled Bella for these spy accusations that is very <laughs> specific information <laughs> yeah. I mean but then again it's not specific at all because it's like oh it was a Dutchman named Von
0: Rolt <laughs> <laughs> well I'm just saying like he was either predetermined this is what she was gonna say it's not that good of a story but <laughs> it's not I, there's it not a lot of detail that okay we, I gotta we, hear we, we, so do they <laughs> look
1: into this or not so so, a different... There's another version of this story, so that's not the only version oh, oh, oh. that was told. So, a different version of the story tells that Jack Mossop and the Dutchman named Von Rolt so were out drinking with Bella. Bella apparently got way too drunk, and so the two men decided to teach her a lesson by stuffing her into the tree. What? <laughs> that's the lesson (laughs) that says some for some reason that was a good lesson to teach her to stop being a drunk.
0: how could the person know that they did that and (laughs) wouldn't they go ask the people who did it then yeah you would think i'm out on that one that one is that one is stupid (laughs) so apparently
1: when bella would have woken up she wouldn't have been able to get out of the tree and died inside of the tree And it's hard to know which of these two stories is the original story that was told because it's changed so much over time. But one thing that kind of would lend credence to this story is that Jack Mossop, Una Mossop's husband, the one who apparently witnessed the death, did... Kind of go insane and died in a mental hospital after suffering a mental breakdown before Bella's body was
0: found. Oh, so okay, all right, well, that's halfway decent.
1: Yeah, so Una kind of said, "Well, he was racked with guilt over what he saw, yeah, couldn't yeah. tell anyone about it, and it drove him insane." Yeah, that's minorly believable. However, the Dutchman named Von Ralt was never found. Of course not. And Una Masip's story was not able to be corroborated, so it was dismissed at the time as hearsay. Got to interview every Dutchman. <laughs> the, flying, uh, the especially the flying list. yeah exactly however later documents that were declassified by mi5 revealed information about a german spy named joseph jacobs who was captured after he broke his ankle parachuting into cambridgeshire in 1941 seems legit so when jacobs was taken into custody He had on his body a photo of a German actress and cabaret singer named Clara Bowerly, and that was kind of found in his jacket pocket. Jacobs said that Clara Bowerly was his lover, and that she had been recruited by the Germans as a spy. When she parachuted into the West Midlands, nearby where Bella was found, Clara was never heard from again, and she never made contact with Jacobs. So Jacobs couldn't give any more information because he was executed in August of 1941. But it was almost positive at this point that Clara could not have been Bella, despite how good the story sounds.
0: Yeah. Couldn't they have seen if she was still alive somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Which is what they did. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Despite that fact, Clara Bowerly was almost six feet tall, Uh not five feet tall, of the skeleton found in the tree. And in 2016, it was found that Clara Bowerly had died in a Berlin hospital in 1942. And that still is like a point of contention amongst people who believe this theory because they say, well, it's very easy to change the records of someone who is a spy. Like, why would they put that she died doing spy stuff if she was trying to go sneak into another country? Yeah, that wouldn't be a very good strat. So, I mean, I guess that side makes sense. But it was also said that there's really no way that this person could have fit into the tree without, like, hurting themselves a lot. Okay. So unless she just free-falled and somehow landed in this tree perfectly, then I don't... And there's no parachute nearby, so if she never made contacts with her partner, how would he have known that she crash-landed to go pick up a parachute? And why would no one have reported it if they found it naturally? So yeah, it, that, there's that just a the, lot of holes. Yeah, that
0: one seems pretty easy to d- debunk. Yeah. yeah,
1: And one last thing is they found a purse nearby the tree. Like I, I want to say it was like a year or two after this event okay, happened. Yeah. And not a very good
0: search party initially. Then, like yeah, you know, right? Yeah.
1: So initially, when they found this, they thought, well, maybe this has some sort of clue yeah. in it, but. They found the woman who it belonged to, and she said, Yeah, I lost this in the woods there and this is mine. So they're like, Well, I guess that was nothing. Hmm. When did she lose it though? That is the question. And there's also a bunch of sources say that they found an ID card of a woman in the area, but that no one has ever given a so- no one's ever cited a source.
0: Would the woman who lost her thing, her birds or whatever, also have been trespassing? Yeah. Wouldn't they have looked into this? The, apparently, load?
1: everyone just trespasses in this, oh this wooded area.
0: I wonder when she
1: lost. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I wonder. How- I mean, they said it' had been there for a while because it was covered in moss. That's and what stuff. I was
0: going to ask next. How? What did it look like? Oh, how yeah. long it had
1: been laying there? No, it, that's why they probably didn't find it the first time because it was like okay,
0: but that would make sense if if the body had been there for like eighteen months or whatever, and the purse had been there for a long time. Why wouldn't they at least see if there was any connection between this woman? Right. and...
1: Their, I think their thought process is like, oh, we found a purse. Maybe this will tell us who the woman in the tree was. I don't think they really thought about it. Like, maybe this woman did something to the okay, woman in the tree. I
0: don't even say she did. What if they were together that yeah, night? Or, right. I don't know. But at the same time, that you would think you would pursue that a little bit more. They happen to be within the same Listen, general radius.
1: This is a country bumpkin town in the middle of the UK. I mean, I'm not going to say is... that their police force is the best. Also, but I also don't know because yeah. I know next to nothing about the UK. Right, right. So.
0: I just saying, if this woman's with this other woman, they get, like, assaulted or something. Right. And you, like, take off and drop your purse. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just really jumping to a lot of conclusions here. Yeah. But, but but as I was saying,
1: like, a lot of the sources will say that they found an ID card near the tree yeah. at the time they found the body. But that's never been, like, the, no one's ever cited their source for where they heard this. It's okay. never been reported and it's never been found in any of the reports or anything. So it's kind of just believed that someone made that up. Okay. And the story doesn't really work anyways, because the woman who they supposedly took it back to was like, oh, yeah, I lost this months ago and I've been looking for it. But in in, UK, in the UK at the time, she would have needed that ID card to get her rations and stuff, I believe. Yeah. So it wouldn't have made sense. She would have needed to get a replacement or like report it to somebody that she lost it. So her just going without it and saying she needed it when they found it, it's like, it doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. So that was just another, there's a lot of rumor and hearsay that's just gotten attached to this story as the years have gone by. They also should
0: have emptied the contents of that purse and seen what was all in there, just like for any reason. Yeah, I only,
1: I just saw that in one of the sources that I read, but it was a corroborated thing apparently, so... Lastly, theories ranged from Bella being a homeless woman who just slipped into an unfortunate situation to her being murdered by an American soldier while working as a barmaid, but none of these theories really held weight, and in the end, Bella was never identified, and it was concluded that she had been suffocated by that piece of taffeta fabric in her mouth. Recently, authorities did offer to reopen the case. But as is the the situation with almost all of these unsolved cases, her skeleton has been lost since the main investigation took place and hasn't been
0: found. How does that happen? It happens in all of these. It doesn't I make. I don't okay, get you it. you take the evidence. You take things like the skeleton, and it gets put with all the other stuff. Yeah. Like, where does this stuff go? I
1: don't just. I, I mean, they lost part of JFK's skull. Like, how do they do that? I part of his. You know what it
0: was? I bet they auctioned it off on the black market. (laughs) It was like I'm paying tons of money for that. I won't, Bella skeleton. (laughs) Dude, it makes uh, no. I
1: don't understand how this happened. I mean, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that it was during World War II, and a lot of stuff was going on, so maybe it just got lost in the shuffle. But also, it went to a hospital, like a a university hospital. So, like. Just throw it in the back room and let it sit forever. I, if it gathers dust, who cares? It's it's not going to go bad. <laughs> who knows how
0: many times they did that with other skeletons? And yeah. they're like, wait, which ones? <laughs> For
1: all we know, it's just yeah. using a medical hospital as like a cadaver skeleton. It probably,
0: Dude, honestly, probably. Yeah, so. I mean, the, the way they looked at if I feel like even the way they looked at death back then, it was just way more oh, nonchalant. Yeah. Well, so I mean, doctors, like, not
1: that. Far before this, we're just, like, going and grave digging to get skeletons for class. So it's not... a different time, but still, that's... So that's where we're going to leave Bella, because that's all we really know. But there's another death that I mentioned. Oh, yeah. So slightly less than two years after Bella was found, another body turned up. But unlike the one found in Hagley Woods, this one was found fresh. Apparently, there was 141 murders in England and Wales on record in 1945, but one, one stands out, the murder of Charles Walton. On Valentine's Day, about an hour from where Bella was found, Charles Walton was murdered. So Charles Walton was a widower, he was an older man, and he shared a cottage with his adopted 33-year-old niece. He was said to have stayed relatively reserved. He didn't socialize a ton, but most people said that they liked him. They didn't really have anything bad to say. At the time of his death, he had been working for a local farmer named Alfred Potter. On February 14, 1945, Charles left the house with his pitchfork and his pruning hook to go to work for Potter in the hedges on the slopes of a place known as Meon Hill. He was expected to be home around 4 p.m., as he always was, but when his 33-year-old niece Edith returned at 6 p.m., he wasn't home. Since he was relatively solitary, she knew that this meant that something was wrong, and it wasn't that he was just out and about. And Let us
0: just say, I don't think he's coming home. He's not coming home alive, that's for sure. No. He also ended up in a tree. No. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> that would be, a,
1: that would be uh, weird. Yeah. The same tree. <laughs> Who keeps putting bodies in this tree? Is left maybe the tr- missing? Maybe the tree is just generating bodies. Oh my. That is weird. <laughs> So, Edith went to the neighbor, Harry Beasley's house, and together, they went to... Ronald try- Wee.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> Not Ron No, it's Beasley. Harry, Harry Beasley. Harry Beasley. Got it. It's
1: a mix of Harry Potter and Ron Weasley. Yeah, I got it.
0: That sounds good.
1: So, Harry Beasley and Edith went together to try and find Charles Walton. When they approached Alfred Potter, he said that Charles was out earlier in the day on Meon Hill. He said he had seen him himself. They went out to find him, and eventually stumbled across his body, lying dead in the hedges. Charles Walton's throat had been slashed deeply by his own pruning hook, and his own pitchfork was stuck through his neck, which pinned his body to the ground. Autopsy reports also revealed that Charles had been beaten over the head with his own walking stick and had multiple defensive wounds on his hands and arms. Rumors stated that there was a cross carved into his chest, but there was nothing mentioned in any of the detailed medical examiner reports on this, so it's believed to have been added in effect to the story.
0: So it's a very brutal crime scene. Man, how old was he? He was like 70-something. Oh, okay, that makes more sense, because I'm just thinking, if, if he was curing all this stuff and he got beat down with his own items, like... He had to be fairly feeble to not. He was, yeah. He
1: it was. He did have to walk with a walking stick because he had like a relatively small limp that he just he needed it. So he wasn't in like the best peak physical condition. Sure, sure. He was still. I want to say he was either in his late sixties, early seventies. So I mean, old guy, easy to overpower if you really wanted to. I'm interested to see how these are connected, though. So it's yeah, it's a very brutal murder in the middle of a relatively small town again and it's not that far from where Bella's body was found three years before so police arrived shortly after while Potter Alfred Potter is Charles Walton's employer stood guard over the scene in the meantime Professor Webster was called in the same medical examiner who had examined Bella
0: Professor Webster yeah, James Webster on the case.
1: <laughs>
0: He's going to solve this Where sure? are the bones. I <laughs> yeah. need to see the bones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly.
1: So, Alfred Potter gave a statement that he knew Walton for about five years and had employed him for at least the last nine months. He was with another farmer at a bar until noon and then went out to a field across from where Charles was working and saw him working in his, he said, in his shirt sleeves. And... At this point, he was like, I'm going to leave Charles B. Charles will be done working at four. I have to go, as he said, attend to a heifer in a ditch that had drowned. Okay. So that was where he was headed. <laughs> so right. he couldn't go stop and say hello to his buddy Charles.
0: No, I mean, hey, he told him what he had going on. Had fair too, is fair. Way too much going <laughs> on. Priorities. So the local police
1: pretty much immediately knew that this type of brutal murder was way above their pay grade. So they decided to call in the Scotland Yard. And the request that they sent in is as follows. Quote, The chief constable has asked me to get the assistance of Scotland Yard to assist in a brutal case of murder that took place yesterday. The deceased man is named, in all caps, CHARLES WALTON, age 75, and he was killed with an instrument known as a slash hook. The murder was either committed by a madman or one of the Italian prisoners who are in a camp nearby. The assistance of an Italian interpreter would be necessary, I think. Dr. Webster states deceased was killed between 1 and 2 p.m. yesterday. A metal watch is missing from the body. It is being circulated. End quote.
0: <laughs> wow. One, that was really good. <laughs> Two, that just took the whole story to intend. <laughs> I just love the fact that
1: they they decided to capitalize the name in the reports. So it's yeah, just like, it. the deceased man is named Charles Walton. <laughs> <laughs> Here. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's age 75. So he is in his 70s. But yeah, that was the one thing that was also noted at the scene was that he had a metal pocket watch that was missing, but yeah. it was reported that that pocket watch wasn't really of any value, so it wasn't really a crime. It been
0: have been like, uh, like a murder prize or something. Yeah, yeah, so
1: if it was like taken for a reason, it wasn't because... Of its value. Yeah, okay. it was... It's or maybe for...
0: they didn't know it wasn't valuable, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Maybe they just like pocket watches. Yeah.
0: Can you imagine they murdered this guy and then they get to like the pawn shop and they're like, "Yeah, this ain't worth this cheating. is nothing." Yeah, exactly. He's like, "Are you kidding me? I could get put away for <laughs> <laughs> I got this on a dead guy." <laughs>
1: yeah. So Scotland Yard responded pretty quickly by sending their best, who was named Chief Investigator Robert Fabian. So Robert Fabian was kind of a huge deal at this point. He was a very hotshot detective in the Scotland Yard. He kind of made a name for himself apparently during the war. There was uh, a, a bomb that went off outside of where he was. I don't know if it was at the precinct that he was working at, but a bomb went off. He went to help go get people who were injured and stuff and uh, apparently found another bomb that was sited, situated at another corner of the intersection. And so he got told another deputy to get everyone out of there, and he personally... Like, sliced through nitroglycerin gel to diffuse the bomb, like, not knowing that his knife could have just set it off immediately. But apparently, he diffused it and got everyone out of there and, like, minimized the casualties. So, it's
0: pretty impressive. Yeah, he's a
1: pretty cool guy. And he, like, had his own TV show and stuff after he retired. So, kind of a big deal in the area. So, he went to go and investigate Alfred Potter because Alfred Potter was becoming the main target of the investigation. So he investigated, or he interrogated Alfred Potter, and after his interrogation, he also asked a local officer to keep kind of a close eye and tail Alfred Potter to make sure that he wasn't doing anything sketchy. So when Alfred was interviewed for a second time, he implied that he paid Charles Walton based on Charles's word, and perhaps that Charles Walton was getting more than what he actually had worked. The day of the murder... Alfred said, as I mentioned, that he had to tend to a heifer in a ditch nearby, and when the policeman suggested fingerprinting the weapons that were found at the scene, Alfred Potter, out of the blue, stated that his fingerprints were going to be on the pitchfork and the pruning hook because he touched them when the group found Charles because he wanted to make sure that Charles was completely dead. And most of the story was corroborated by
0: his wife tough to know how to feel about that here's here's what i'll say let's say ah man it's tough to tough to think because now we have so much more like understanding of how investigations are conducted so maybe you would have the wherewithal to know not to touch a crime scene but i would say if like a family member you knew is dead and you found them it's not completely improbable for you to think that you're gonna touch the the stuff around them to see what happened
1: if it was a family like this was just his employer though like this wasn't yeah. even what he
0: was related to
1: so I don't know if he would really care I mean obviously you know this person maybe
0: you're interested enough to like I don't know I don't I, know
1: I mean the neighbor Harry Beasley said he had to hold Edith back mm-hmm. the the niece because she was like gonna go rush towards the body but he even knew like don't go over there and contaminate the crime scene. So, I don't oh, know okay, okay. I don't know why he would have allowed Alfred Potter to just go over and be like, "Hey, go check if he's dead," you know. Mm, Conflicting. Reports. That is
0: that is why would you put yourself in that situation? Uh, yeah, I don't even know why you would like How if you're... How common were fingerprint uh types of things done at the time i believe
1: like, that was like the main way to way to okay, find criminals okay. because so, they had a database like i don't know how extensive the database was but they would have databases for stuff like that well
0: if that's the case then i would say you know the way we talk about dna testing now that probably would have been similar to how they talked about fingerprinting then yeah you so, would think he would know not to exactly i would think
1: that fingerprinting would have been like a commonly known thing okay, that people are like okay. oh This is how they'll get me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So Harry Beasley, the neighbor, was interviewed as well and stated that he remembered Potter claiming to see Walton working at 1215. However, Beasley also said that he was confident that Alfred Potter had realized that Walton was dead from the moment he saw the body. Other employees of Potter's also claimed that Potter had difficulty paying their wages every so often and... After that, extensive interviews and searches of the area didn't really uncover any more useful information. So, at this point, it pretty much seems like Alfred Potter is the one and only suspect, at least the only one worth investigating. The other thing
0: is, when they do the fingerprint check, they would be able to see if more than just the two of them had touched the things. Right. If no one else had...
1: There's your guy. Yeah, but, or but if someone they're... else wore gloves or something when they... Oh, I guess so, I... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't... If it, it's circumstantial. I mean... Yeah, yeah. It isn't definitive, but I yeah, mean, it yeah. would be a good step yeah, if they yeah. did. You're
0: right, though. I didn't hit him with a gloves thing.
1: Yeah. So, despite efforts, Walton's pocket watch wasn't found either for another 15 years, but it was said that the pocket watch was found in an area that the police had thoroughly searched over at the time of the murder. So... That's kind of interesting. <laughs> that maybe someone had been taking it in and Brian using Pack? it or they just had it in a pocket and had lost it in the same area. So it could have been could have like, been someone that was just living in the area and lost the pocket watch that they had stolen 15 years prior. Yeah, how
0: close in the area though?
1: Right. So it it's a very this is this is why I said there's not a ton of information to kind of pinpoint who would be a good suspect here.
0: I'm getting the impression we should send like like, us into these places after they're done to, like, look around to be like, okay, you guys missed this purse or you guys missed this pocket You, you put your hands up like yeah. the goggles and like, yeah, like, yeah, missed yeah. the evidence? Yeah. All I'm saying is they were very thorough. Because <laughs> they're like, I'm, is the, that the time? They, I gotta get home. They brought
1: in, like, the best of the best from the Scotland Yard, uh, though. So, like, that guy was, he went, he re-examined everything uh, that they had done. Like, maybe
0: they should have brought him in for the tree incident. Yeah, probably. Uh, so, I don't know. Well, how close were these murders it in was, time? It's about
1: an hour. Uh, so Bella was found in April of 1943, but was believed to have been murdered in like November, December 1941. Okay. And Charles Walton was murdered February 14th, 1945. So it was okay. about three and a half years in between when, actual murder. when Bella was believed to have died yeah. and when Charles was murdered. So Okay. All right. But Charles Walton's case wasn't done yet, because guess who's coming onto the scene? Our good old friend, Margaret Murray.
0: This whack
1: job. She found her way to this investigation as well, suggesting that the witchcraft groups had moved around and finally claimed another victim. She, this could have been anybody! <laughs> no, it was witchcraft, Mark. okay. She told that the murder was a ritual act performed with the purpose of replenishing the soil in the name of a sun god. Uh, apparently, the year before, Charles Walton's death was a difficult harvest, and the beer was bad from the crop yield. Oh, now no, that's a reason to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's his fault, of course. <laughs> the rumors immediately started to catch on, as they did with Bella's story, and now Charles Walton's story cannot be told without hearing about a cross on his chest or a black dog that had appeared at the crime scene. So... It's just morphed over time yeah. to include all of witchcraft. It's all
0: good stories, you know. Yeah, and yeah. that's
1: that's why it's such a it's a story that's endured for so long. So So pretty much the
0: only crossover is that is Margaret Thatcher <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's just saying that everyone's getting killed by witchcraft. (laughs) But other than that, there's no real connection. And the fact that James Webster was the
1: medical examiner for both of them. Oh, okay. But
0: he would have done that for any murders in the area. Yeah, any
1: notable like violent crimes or whatever Yeah, he would have been on task for. But, I mean, the the best theory is that it was Alfred Potter. I mean, they just don't have a good motive for why he would have killed Charles Walton. But... It his stories just didn't match up every time he told them. Yeah. Like he, the first time I told you he saw that he uh Charles was working in his shorts or in his shirt sleeves out in the field. But the after investigating the they found that he was wearing a jacket when he got there, like a a leather coat. And when he took that off, he had a cutoff shirt on underneath. So the shirt sleeves thing wasn't really applicable, like a short sleeve shirt wasn't really applicable. Yeah. So that was weird that he said that. And he also said that he saw him working at 1215, but he also said that he saw him just standing there around the same time. So it's like, was he doing, was he taking a break or was he working?
0: And and there's nothing that you've said that talks about this guy's body language as he's telling them these things. So it's really
1: hard. But they did, at the same time, they said like he was cooperative, he was always calm, he never got mad. He never really, like, confronted anyone. He didn't really seem too nervous most of the time. So, Mm. I mean, the only thing that someone said was the neighbor said that he acted like he was, like, anxious after... they found the
0: body but hey the only thing i'll say is that the only reason you wouldn't be nervous if this wasn't his first time that is true no i don't know i don't know but it's like you just found a dead body in a field that was a very
1: violent crime so i mean if you see that you're probably going to be a little shaken up when you go home so i don't know yeah there's just real i don't know there's really no good
0: way to tie any of it to anybody so it, also, never good to tell the investigators after the fact. Oh, my fingerprints are probably on. That. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, if, you, the if, if you would have said that right away, then you might be like, oh. Yeah, exactly. So it's it, weird, just circumstantial. Yep. Yeah. It's it's very hard to say
1: one way or another. Yeah. Uh, there was a, another weird connection that a woman named Ann Tennant was murdered in this area. I want to say about a decade before Charles Walton was murdered, maybe okay. more. Uh, in a similar way with a pitchfork, and she was murdered by a guy who was just kind of a, they, oh. they called him a village idiot. He was kind of like a simpleton. Yeah. Uh, But he apparently just got really aggressive one day, murdered her, but apparently Anne Tennant was related to Charles Walton in some way. Okay. So it was just kind of a weird tie-in. I don't think it has anything to really do with the murder itself. But wasn't the
0: pitchfork that the older, 75-year-old man was murdered with on his possession? Yeah. It was- uh So why would the woman- have- also been murdered with a pitchfork no
1: it was just like a weird coincidence that like she was also murdered by a pitchfork like she she got stabbed was taken home to be tended to and died later yeah yeah but it was just an odd coincidence that she was murdered by a pitchfork yeah and was most likely related to charles walton who was also in the same town town, yeah Yeah. that's
0: very strange
1: but yeah in a tree yeah it is it's very interesting To this day, both Bella's identity and murder remain completely unsolved, and in the same manner, Charles Walton's killer still remains a mystery. But both of them have spawned their own mythos in the area that they occurred in. Messages of who put Bella in the witch elm still pop up around town, Charles Walton's murder still echoes through popular culture in folk horror movies. And one of the most popular theories for Bella remains that she was a spy, and Alfred Potter still remains the main suspect for Charles Walton's murder, but at this point, kind of seems that the mysteries will remain mysteries. Shoot!
0: I wanted answers! Hey man,
1: I told you that BuzzFeed Unsolved was my
0: source, (laughs) so... Alright, here's what happened. The woman was the daughter of the guy who killed the guy with the pitchfork. <laughs> Getting back at that guy for killing his daughter and sticking her in a tree.
1: So, wait, you're saying that Charles Walton killed Bella?
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a wild claim. Well, no. I, I mean, it's. It, tell me, the, tell me, show me the lie. <laughs> see, the thing is, that has just as much weight <laughs> yeah, as anything yeah, yeah, else yeah. that you could have said. All I so, want is someone to go investigate this, like, witch tree or whatever, and then the thing come alive and be like, tree? I am no tree. I, <laughs> I am, am an ant. ant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So, who knows? I mean, there is a lot of theories on Bella's murder. Uh, they actually did, I, don't, I think it was in 2019, someone took the pictures of the skull that are available and made a rendition of what they believe this woman would have looked like. They reconstructed her facial features and stuff. That's pretty cool. So there is a picture now online, if you want to look it up, of what they believe Bella would have looked like. And we still don't know who she was, but Bella is the name that she has been given. So that's... We could have called her Jane Doe for all that we know, but Mm -hmm. it's just a a case where a Jane Doe gets given an identity by somebody
0: doing graffiti in the town. So weird that... Nobody would have stepped up and been like my daughter, my wife, my sister, my anything is missing. I don't know. That's that's well, true. that's why I think the spy theory like, is not on. Un- so is not crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's not unreasonable to think that that's the most plausible. But if you had identified a spy, you would be in the. Cl- I w- I'm not gonna say you're in the clear for the murder, maybe of somebody. But if you were gonna get away with it, you could be like, I found a spy, and like my life is in danger. I killed this person. Right. So you're saying it was the Dutchman.
1: It could have been the Dutchman, you know, but. See, uh, like, and people have said, like, oh, well, maybe she did parachute in with a partner and landed in a tree, ended up dying on the way down. And then this was the way for the partner to hide hide the body so that they couldn't find him. That is a really interesting theory. But, like. I feel like if you're a spy, there's probably How prob- would no one see you parachute in? Yeah. And there's probably a better I guess at night maybe you probably have like a strategic guide for how to get rid of your partner's body if they do die. By cutting off their hand and sprinkling it around <laughs> yeah, a tree. I feel like shoving it into yeah. a tree stump isn't the yeah. the go to method for a spy at this time. I I don't know.
0: What a bizarre situation. The hand thing also really throws me for a loop. What? You don't want a hand candle? No, well, no, I don't want the no, I don't want the <laughs> handle, and I don't want my wick to be made with human hair. Yeah, I, I don't want any of that. But I guess it's just I don't think a person puts themselves in that tree themselves. So I really do think it had to be done by somebody else. James Webster said it would pretty much be impossible
1: for someone yeah. to put themselves because they would have had to physically have like dislocated and yeah,
0: broken something. So the to person get was in. dead already. Is really what I think. I think mean, the person was dead and got put in the tree, but. I don't know. It's it's just doesn't totally add up, and and I'm trying to think. I wonder how close the neighborhoods would be. Would someone really drag a body out to this trespassing area to then put? So that's why it makes you think it's a spy thing because maybe they landed nearby. But, but
1: then again, apparently people are just going into these woods. That's all true. The, time. the purse so,
0: lady. Yeah, the the, the so teenagers that's so found the body. Maybe this was a com- a frequented spot. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know.
1: So it. There's just so many things that are not certain enough mm. to say one way or another. What could have? Cause there and there was no gunshot wounds that were found apparently, so it's not like she was shot. So she had to have been like strangled or something. Because mm. mm-hmm. mm. uh, there was no reports of like physical damage to the bones that would have indicated a beating or trauma. So
0: actually, the thing being in her like she had like fabric in her mouth or something. Yeah, yeah. That leads, that leads me to think that the body was brought there. Yeah. So, like, I think... But
1: I, I also this... heard that it was possible that when, the, when Bob Farmer was trying to fish out the skull, that maybe he caught some of the fabric as he was trying to get the skull out, and it, like, shoved it into the mouth when he grabbed it. And that's why it was in there. Wow. Is that,
0: dude, but I, I don't, don't know but what to believe. I only
1: saw that in one thing. So I don't know how plausible that Ugh, theory is. But I don't is. even
0: want to hear that because now you doubt everything. I know, exactly. Now you hear that and now you're like, But okay. that's why this
1: case has endured for so long. Because like people keep adding new things to it and no one knows what's it true anymore. The fabric
0: in the moth was the same color as what she was wearing. Yeah. Ah. See that's
1: why that's why I believe that if yeah, that did maybe happen. maybe it did.
0: Maybe it did. And okay. Especially
1: if it's been sitting there for 2 years, it's probably pretty brittle, it'll break off pretty easily. Yeah, easy, realistically,
0: it? it was she was probably just murdered somewhere off of that area and then brought there to hide the body. But
1: I do believe she was either strangled or suffocated. Those the, cause, Well, that makes sense, yeah.
0: especially if they didn't find any other uh signs of like what caused her death, so. Yeah. So I don't uh. know what do you guys at
1: what do you guys at home think happened if you guys have done or if you want to do your own research at home there's plenty of articles online for who put Bella in the witch elm there's a book uh written about her but i also have heard that that book is not the best so i didn't use that <laughs> but yeah uh, let us know what you guys think uh I mean hit us up on twitter instagram facebook wherever you want to uh we we love hearing from you guys i know when we did the uh, hinter kaifik murders uh someone messaged me and said oh well maybe it was the previous maid and i didn't even think of that so yeah. i like let it. me know if
0: you agree with me and think it was the guy it was charles walter yeah, exactly. and then it was a revenge murder it was a revenge, yeah. <laughs> three and a half years yeah, later yeah, yeah let me know you know maybe
1: so yeah uh you guys can find us on twitter at gems underscore history if you go on instagram you can just search gems of history podcast that is our instagram handle there's just underscores in between each word Uh, Facebook, if you want to join our Facebook group, it is called the Agora Gems of History Discussion. So if you want to join us there and you can message us there if you want to anywhere, uh, we have TikTok, Gems of History Podcast, YouTube, Gems of History Podcast, pretty much everywhere. So, uh, Mark, do you want
0: to, uh, plug your social medias at all or anything you got going on? Uh, you can hit me up at, on Twitter at SteinB1073. Uh, it was such a pleasure to be back, especially for and such a good story. It, oh my gosh, it's got me so excited and it is, rejuvenated. It is
1: very weird. Yeah, it, this it,
0: this coincidence occurred that I used BuzzFeed Unsolved and the first woman was found on yeah. your birthday. Oh, this was such a good reminder how fun this can be, dude. And not, and for me, obviously being here, but also look for the listeners because you, dude, you brought like one. You brought you brought the uh, what do I want to say. One of the best stories I could have hoped for right. for sure. I, I mean, this kicked that. off the whole Halloween yes, spooky with a bang. It's very eerie, like yeah. I mean, it's eerie, but also yeah. like it, kind of annoying. I want to know what <laughs> happened, know. and I feel like I'm close. I mean, we just talked about it for an hour, and I'm like, I'm this close to cracking I know. the case. I know.
1: That's why, like, I. Duh, I don't like covering Unsolved stuff uh, on the podcast yeah. as much because it's it, just, it's. It, you, I want an ending and I like to give people an ending. That
0: said, for listeners, it is kind of a time to be like, what what happened and do you have a good plausible idea? Yeah. Like, like I'm not saying we're going to figure it out, but you could at least present what you think might have happened right? And- exactly
1: like if you I, I would love for you guys at home to like get stuck in a rabbit hole and like go really deep on something like this and then message me like a month from now and be like hey so i think i may have a good theory on what happened here so yeah I, for sure if for any sure. of you guys want to do that go for it
0: but yeah and like you said make sure to send in more spooky stories yes, to the Gems of history podcast of course those are like my favorite ones. They're so fun.
1: So <laughs> yes, uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but if you want to send them to us, we do prefer if you send them to our email, which is gems gemsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send them to our social medias, you can. Obviously, it just isn't as, I, I'm not going to, it's not going to be as user friendly for sending a long format story like that. So it is just very much easier for us to organize and keep everything together on our email. So if you do have stories, send them there. We do appreciate it. Mark, Thank yep. you for thanks for having me back. Thank you for filling in. Oh, for it was a Evan blast. tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan, get better soon, or I'll just do this with Mark again. Yeah, if, for if sure. I, I had to. so much
0: fun. So <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> Mark, you're obviously always welcome. Back, all right, so. I appreciate that. But yes, uh, that is all we have for you for our first episode of the Spooky Season series. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that and. Next week, uh, we will have more spooky tales for you. Oh I, I am very excited because I'm I'm very uh, the last episode of this spooky series comes out on Halloween this year, which is very exciting. So that's going to be our listener stories and all the, uh, the maybe some creepy pasta thrown in. So it's going to be fun. But I am very excited. Until then, everyone have a great week this week and stay polished out there, all of you gemstones. Take care.